Hello, welcome back. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Emily. We're the executive directors and co-founders of ATX TV. And you're listening to the TV Campfire. This week and coming up through the end of 2021, we're releasing exclusive and original conversations from our Season 10 Festival that premiered in June 2021. Please enjoy this week's release and tune in both here and on youtube.com backslash ATXTV for even more TV goodness. Without further ado, here's this week's TV Campfire episode from Season 10 of ATX TV Festival. Enjoy. Hello. And welcome to one of our most highly anticipated panels of the year, at least for me, and don't worry, I'll tell you why. But first, I'm Caitlin, and this is Emily, and we are the co-founders of the festival, and we are honored to be your hosts for the past 10 days. We did it. We've made it to day 10. And since we call each festival a season, does that make make today the finale? Because if so, I don't think it can get better than this. Oh, I think you're right. And who isn't excited to see how it all ends? I love a finale. I also love a penultimate, but that's a conversation for another time. In all seriousness, this panel is very important to us. Saving it for the finale was orchestrated because it was earned. It originated last year, at this point, probably two years ago. And due to a number of reasons, we weren't able to make it happen. But everyone was committed to seeing it through. So we thank these women, these leaders, their teams for allowing us to have this conversation at ATX Television Festival. It is interesting that now, two years later, this conversation is going to be very different from when we first started planning. We have different companies represented, new titles, mergers, and the TV landscape has shifted even in the past 12 months. Honestly, it probably shifted again today. (laughs) And the approach these leaders take has a great impact on what we see on our screens. In addition, a broader look at leadership is something we're deeply interested in for selfish reasons. We're constantly thinking about our approach to both leading and being led from our company to our community. We need great leaders who are respectful and kind, balancing vision and freedom. To be frank, we rely on them. So with that, we're thrilled to invite out for the first time at ATX Television Festival, our moderator, the talented and insightful Jessica Radloff, West Coast editor at Glamour. Oh man, well, Emily, Caitlin, thank you so much. Hi everyone, as they said, my name is Jessica Radloff. I'm the West Coast editor at Glamour live from my dining room. One of these days, I hope to actually be in Austin for the ATX Festival. But I am absolutely thrilled to be joined by these incredible leaders. This dining room has never been full of so much talent. So with that said, please let me welcome Sarah Aubrey, head of original content at HBO Max. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Jessica. So happy to be here today with all of these awesome women. Thank you. I feel like a terrible host. I should have like had hors d'oeuvres sent over or something. I mean, I got to work. Don't worry, I've had my afternoon Diet Coke. I'm ready to go. (laughs) Sounds good. All right. Next up, we have Carrie Burke, president of 20th Television. (laughs) I did it. Hi, guys. Hi. I love this this pop-up thing. It's so fun. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, Jessica, I too am in my dining room. I'm <laughs> a year into the pandemic and I am now just starting to uh, move into my son's room and turn it into my home office. <laughs> I've been working out of my dining room for a year. Probably just in time to go back to the actual office. I will have finished my own home office. So I feel you. And next up, we have Christina Davis, president of original programming at Stars. Hey. And you, I love where you're at. You look like you're at a resort back there. Oh, I'm in my bedroom, which is where I spend all of my life. <laughs> I sleep here. I get dressed here. I work here. <laughs> it's pretty boring. <laughs> well, I like your chair, though. It's a nice color. It reminds me of a swimming pool. So I had to switch it up a little. On the, pl- on the plus side. Okay, yeah. next up, we have Lisa Katz, president of entertainment scripted content at NBCU Television and Streaming. Hi, Jessica. It's good to see you, Lisa. You I, hope well. you, I hope you repeat that title to everybody that you meet. That is, that is quite- A mouthful. <laughs> it's a lot of words. It's <laughs> all the business card, but I think you should, I think you should try. I like it. I do. And you just moved into a new house. So congratulations. Thank you so much. Don't you love a very colorful backdrop? 
I like it. Well, full of imagination, you know, we'll get a peacock. Well, that's what we'll do. We'll get the peacock behind you. Okay. Next up, we have Tina Perry, president of OWN. Hello, Jessica. How are you? I'm good. It's so good to see you. Where are you at today? In Los Angeles in the home office where I also spend a lot of my time. But my husband and I flip a coin each morning to see who gets the office and who gets the dining room table. So today, I won the coin flip. I got the office. That's so funny. Where I guess the dining room, though, is closer to the kitchen. So, you know. It is. It is. Maybe it's not so bad either. And then finally, we have Jana Winograde, president of entertainment at Showtime Networks. Hi, Jana. Hi. I am coming to you from what used to be my 17-year-old daughter's five-year-old bedroom. And then by the elliptical machine, you can tell was my gym. And then about nine months into the pandemic became my office. And the, if there's one thing I've learned working from home, it's that lawnmowers never stop. So I apologize in advance. <laughs> I'm sure we all have stories after this last year. I mean, there's things you just have to laugh about, you know, and I, I think it's made everybody more human, which I certainly appreciate. And, you know, we just have to go with the flow. That's all, that's all we can, any of us can do. So, well, I'm so happy to have you all here. Hopefully next time we can do it in person. Um, but let's start off. I mean, what a year, over a year that we have had. Um, everything from just, you know, the reckoning that's happened in Hollywood to the pandemic to Black Lives Matter. So I would love to know how have you all been changed professionally and how have you all been changed personally over the last 15 months? Who would like to go first? <laughs> I'll go first. Yeah. Okay, go for it, Jana. Just because I have a feeling we all have similar answers. So on this one, um, on a personal level for me, I didn't realize how overscheduled I was because it had become so normal to me. And even the things that I actually thought were relaxing, you know, whether that was having a dinner with my friends on Saturday night, or I had a set exercise class I went to on Saturday and a set exercise class I went to on Sunday. And to me, all those things were relaxing. But once I couldn't do anything, I realized that they weren't and how much mental space they took up and how regimented it felt. So on a personal level, for me, the way I've been changed is just really trying not to have any expectations of what I'm doing on the weekend and trying not to overschedule myself. It's really hard because I miss my friends. And now you start getting into that pattern again. And then professionally, I would say it's multifaceted because there's the obvious appeal of the hybrid work and everyone's desire to hold on to their flexibility. But as you said, there's been so much change that has come just based on the social justice things that have happened over the last year. So whether it's the importance of more diversity in the workplace or getting more diversity onto our programming, all of those things were really important to us, but I just think we've accelerated the pace of change. In some ways, more than the pandemic, the the reckoning for all of us uh, about um, the racial injustice in in our country, in our workplace, in our entertainment, in our content um, has been um, a sea change. You know, um, and it's my hope that when we all come out of our cocoons and get off Zoom and get back in the office, that that is a march that continues forward mm -hmm. um, and that the, you know, the moment doesn't pass and like the movement continues and we just we keep on keeping on with that being just, a, a you know, a significant change that we will never go back from. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't think we can. I think this year it changed all of us. Um, and I don't think it would have changed us all as much as if, if we hadn't been home. You know, um, I think if this was a normal time, it just a lot of things obviously would not have happened how they did. But it was a perfect storm that really did create, like Carrie said, this this movement. Um, how about you, Lisa? How have you been changed professionally and personally over this last year? Um, I think that trying to maintain boundaries has been really challenging in this time in terms of, you know, we're all saying we're working from our dining room. And I was 
a television executive and a teacher and an IT specialist. And I mean, I became everything to everyone, which as a working mom, you already are, but especially during now, it was all cranked up. And I think that um, everything that happened, the biggest thing I learned and tried to prioritize was staying connected, staying connected to my team, staying connected to the talent. And it really required an effort because we didn't have the see you in the hallway, see you in the, you know, after meeting when the door closes and get a chance to talk. And I think that really appreciating those smaller moments and that time with people is something that I'm eager to get back to. But also, I think, as Jana said, I think you also realize you can do things more efficiently so that we're not spending so much time and so much energy always going, 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 and maybe can be more present in those moments and prioritize things and also have a little bit more balance. Yeah. Have you already started making some of those changes? Like, do you tell some of your your team, you know what, if you don't feel like going into the office when things really do start opening back up, it's okay. You don't have to. We've been talking a lot about return to work and we're, we're still at home and will be for the foreseeable future, but we have talked and I've tried to ask what would your ideal situation be? And one of the things that we've talked about is um, definitely a hybrid model because I do think in this job, collaboration is so important. And while people don't need to drive across town for pitches necessarily and spend an hour and a half in their car, which I know all the studio executives understand and having been a former one, I appreciate. Um, I also think that having that time together is important. I also would love to institute like a reading day or a time so people can spend time doing their reading. So you're not spending your entire weekend. We get the, you know, these stacks of submissions. And so trying to help it be um, not as overwhelming and a little more, more civilized. I love the idea of a reading day. Yeah. Yeah. I'm feeling that. It's like college. (laughs) I was going to say, I'll take a napping day, but a reading day is fine too. That will be sat- <laughs> napping day Saturday. Reading day on the weekend, right. Exactly. <laughs> Christina, how about you? What's this, what's this last year been like for you? Um, I think my, my situation might be a little bit more unique than anybody uh, on the panel. I started a, job, a brand new job, this new job at STARS in, inside the pandemic. So I started in May of last year um, and uh, I, I did my interviews over Zoom and I have yet to meet my colleagues in person and it's crazy. You know, I just, it's just been a year of starting a job and learning about a new company. Um, I was at a broadcast network for 20 years. So like that's all that I knew. And so learning sort of a new cable platform, a streaming platform, like this whole new business model um, from my bedroom is, it's been super challenging, but, you know, a good challenge, a bad challenge, you know, it's, it, you know, sort of take the good with the bad, but um, have loved it. Have, you know, I love, I love the content. I love the people and I can't wait Honestly, I feel like I've been under house arrest for 15 months. So it's, I have three kids and a husband and a dog. And it's sort of like, it's the good and the bad of like, I can hear them and I want to be with them. And then I hear them and I want them to be quiet, right? It's like, you can't, it's like the, the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm looking forward to finding some delineation between home and work. And, and maybe that's just part, part of me is just going for to that off. I've never been in my office. So I, you know, <laughs> I kind of want to, I want to know what it's like. Um, um, so yeah, that, that's kind of been, been my year. Wow, that's amazing. And Sarah, how about you? Well, I think uh, I can relate to literally everything that has been said on this call. Christina, I didn't start a new job, but, you know, I got a new boss and a whole new business org structure during the middle of the... Exactly. And so that's all been a little, you know, kind of crazy. And so I think to not repeat, but just to add to it, um, you know, I think I've 
really spent a lot of time this year thinking about people's mental health in a way that I never did before in the office. I mean, I always cared about things like morale and that people took vacations and wanting to have, you know, the ever elusive work-life balance. But I think this pandemic and also even more so um, on the anniversary of George Floyd's death. I mean, that was, you know, that week, was the most momentous week of the last 15 months for us as a group. And, you know, just sitting on a Zoom with the team, not saying anything and not being able to fix and not being able to, I mean, you know, because it's like, well, what do we do? What's the to-do list? How do we, and, you know, that's not helpful. And I think that um, listening to how people actually feel and, and not being able to just wave a wand over it, but being present for people, I think has been one of the biggest, you know, learnings and, and things that we're all still tr striving to do um, in a different way has been a big um, kind of sea change for me and point of growth for me. You know, like Christina was just saying, starting a new job during the pandemic. I mean, Sarah, you basically launched an entirely new streaming service um, yeah. during the pandemic. Uh, congratulations um, with that, by the way. But, you know, it's so funny. Every time I do interviews with actors, a common theme lately, a common thread is anxiety and how much anxiety they deal with. And I personally don't know how any of you do your jobs without an insane amount of anxiety, whether it's it's calling a producer um, or or a creator of a pilot to say, you know what, we're not picking this up, or you know, trying to figure out logistics in a pandemic. I don't know quite how you do it uh, without maybe either having to be heavily medicated or uh, doing about five hours of yoga every day. I don't know. So, how do you make your anxiety work for you, especially during this last year? Have you found anything that really works to help center you during every day? Are you asking? Me? Yeah, go ahead, Tina. I was going to say, I don't know. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> on, please. Somebody has an answer, please share. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I found that this last year, everything moved so fast. When you started to have those anxiety-filled moments, um, it just moved so fast you didn't get to vest in it. I mean, just between problem-solving, contingency planning, taking care of all of your employees, trying to figure out your own work-life balance, worrying about your own health, uh, our country, go on and on. It just all moves so fast. I try to always retreat to a place of, um, honestly, like gratitude. You know, if I was really anxious before a big speech I had to give or be on a panel or deal with a certain problem that had a lot of gravitas, you know, I tried to step back and just think about, wow, this is privilege really be in this moment and get to handle or solve this problem or deal with this issue. Um, and there was something about that for me this year. I'd never thought of things that way, but this year it really helped me. And again, I think the pace of just all of our lives, of my life in particular, um, it just started to kind of dissipate. That's what I'd say. Now I understand why Jana has the elliptical machine behind her. <laughs> I do. Complete I know. sense. Well, I do <laughs> We've all been doing it wrong. Exactly. For me, exercise has always my whole life been one of the ways that I alleviate anxiety and stress. But the other way, and what made this year so hard for me is preparation, I, preparation and control, because I feel like you don't have control over so many things that the one thing I have control over is how I prepare. And what's made this year so hard is everything was out of our control. You know, even if you could get a production up, you knew that at any minute, somebody in the A-pod could you know, get a positive COVID test and you're getting shut down. Even if you wanted to be in a city, that city then shut down. So for me, the hardest thing was trying to come up with new ways to alleviate my stress because being a control freak was impossible. <laughs> I got a bike guard. <laughs> <laughs> Actually pretty It really helps. I highly recommend if you don't yeah, already Taking this long hair, I've had one since I was like 12. <laughs> they, work. they work. Oh my God. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll say, I, you know, look, I've, I've always been anxious and, and it's, it's, it's worked to my advantage to some degree earlier in my career, but I'm finding, and I do think this year, I think more about it. 
I, I think it's something we need to acknowledge and, and talk about. And I think we, along with mental health, I think anxiety is just as, just as destructive. I mean, I think it's do, it does things to our body and our mind and um, our relationships. And, um, and I feel like this year, especially, and maybe it's because I've been home, I just feel like I have to power down, like shut it off and just stop because I also realize that especially my nine-year-old daughter, like she sees me all the time on the phone, on the phone. It's like, and then I start to hear the comments like, mommy, mommy, you know? And I was like, you know what? Just stop. You know, it's like, just because we're home or just because my desk is right here, I don't have to be on the whole time. And that's something different than I think when we were in an office, you could be in your car and drive some, you know, you drive home and you feel like you're home and, and, and you, 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 you know, you arrive home and it's like, ha, ah, I'm home. This is sort of like, it's so confusing. And so, I don't know, I've, I've taken a more conscious approach to, to really shut it down and, and pay attention. And then when I do sort of, you know, re-engage, I'm watching more television that I enjoy, right? I'm reading a little bit more. And, and these are all things that I think, you know, advance us in our careers, which is, you know, watching and reading and consuming good storytelling, which I think makes us better at our job. And so that's, that's kind of how I calm down, but it's hard. I mean, it's really, it's been a, a, a real challenge. Yeah. Well, especially when there's been so much reorganization um, that you cannot control. Um, Sarah and Lisa and Carrie, how have you all dealt with that? Um, because I can't imagine, I mean, I was already waking up every morning with anxiety and we didn't have much going on, you know, in a reorg. So what was it like for you? How did you center yourself? Well, Sarah has to go first. <laughs> She's like, you got the most. Well, since I'm in the middle of it once again. Um, so this past week has just been not necessarily surprising because I think that there had been kind of, you know, rumors, conversations, indicators that we were heading towards some kind of merger. I think that it's, you know, and also it still has to go through government approval. And believe me, I don't take that lightly, having lived through the AT&T merger and waiting for that government approval. So the thing that we're just focusing on the way we have been is just letting everybody have their feelings about it, which I think is a big deal, because, of course, my whole thing is head down, move your feet, keep going. It's just like, do your work, do your work and everything. And if you do your work and you stay calm, you show well, you show what you can do. And the rest is going to shake out a million different ways that you literally have no control over. But I also think that not everyone can switch into that gear that quickly. So I'm definitely saying to people, um, you know, one, I said, let's just get to Memorial Day. And then like everyone kind of knit their psyche back together over Memorial Day. And then I also am really encouraging people this summer to take a real vacation. And um, I think that's one of the weird byproducts of all this. You kind of feel like you've been home. So how do I take a vacation when I've been home, but you haven't, you've been working more than ever. And so I'm encouraging that. But also if this past year and a half has taught me anything, and frankly, this four years, you never know what's going to happen. There's no point even in over-investing in it because the number of changes that have either been conscious strategic changes or unexpected changes. And so it's, it's just very straightforward to me. It's just like, just keep doing your job, make the shows do and, and have your, you know, bring your best self to work and, and make your relationships with, you know, your filmmakers and your talent and the other people in your company. And that to me just always wins the day. And then the rest of it's out of your control. Let me tell you something. I watched the Friends reunion last night. That was the biggest like comfort that I have needed for the last year plus since before I didn't even know there was going to be a Friends reunion. Like, thank God you do. You have to find the joy in those little moments. I'm very happy with the way that it turned out, but it's kind of a perfect example. Thank you for me. <laughs> <laughs> we're watching it tonight oh man i want you to take a vacation we need uh we need to send you on I, I would like i would say that to everyone one thing about relieving anxiety is taking breaks like you have to do it it's you know christina you were describing small ones but i don't believe anymore they're 
awards. And, and the awesome thing about looking at all of you all, I frankly think the culture of staying at work as many hours as you can was frankly born out of men that weren't that connected with their families and go home. Like, and didn't want to go home. And like, I don't work with women like that anymore. And most of the men I work with really aren't like that anymore. I think it's been kind of a generational thing. And, and I love that, that we've, we're evolving into take the break. I'll cover you, not the muscle it out, you know, who can stay late as long as last. Yeah. I love that so much. I read something recently. It said, if doing your best is working yourself to the point of having a mental breakdown, then don't do your best. And I thought that was so poignant because so much of us don't know when to stop and we have to, it's, it's no longer a badge of honor that we need to wear. Um, I think there's been a cultural change this last year for the better about working from home, family, your priorities. Um, I've seen it. I know in my company and even with friends and other places that, um, and I think when we come out of this and we do resume whatever the work in the office, work from home balance is going to be, I think people are going to be more thoughtful um, with respect to others when they need to take vacations, take a sick day, take care of a child, stay home. And I think that will be one of the best things that come out of this is that we'll all be uh, more grounded and just thoughtful about those things. I think you're right. I think back to some cultures I worked in where you went to work sick. Like we went to work sick because you couldn't, you, you felt too uncomfortable missing a day of work. Looking back on that, how messed up that is, how terrible. And, uh, and uh, we're not going back to that. (laughs) Was there ever a leader that you all worked with that you thought, you know what, they're doing it right. Or that you, you took different parts of whatever they were doing and said, you know what, if I ever get to this position, this is what I want to do with a company as well. I, yeah. I would say I worked for Jennifer Sulky, who's now at Amazon, and I worked for her at 20th and then again at NBC. Um, and I think what I always appreciated about Jen is that she was somebody who didn't let the, she's like, we'll just get it done. We'll just figure it out. It was never, it, it was, she somehow um, alleviated the anxiety as opposed to perpetuated it. And so that was one thing. And I remember once this is way too much information that I'm now sharing with hundreds of people, but I remember at one point going to therapy and talking about my stress and they're like, well, how does your boss do? I'm like, doesn't get stressed. And I said, and he said, just be more like that. I'm like, I'm not built like that. Like you have to be built like that. But I do think over time with practice, you just realize like it'll get done as Jana was saying before, like, I can't control it, even though you think you can, it's an illusion and you can't, and you just know you, you did everything you could. And then when something comes up, you don't expect you'll do something else. But to me, it was, you know, always prioritize, she always prioritized her family and her relationships. And then she always like when the crisis happened or something happened, dealt with it, but there was not like a lot of anxiety or crazy and, and, I've gotten better at it over time, but it takes I time. have to say, sorry, I didn't mean to step over you. No, I'm done. That's the worst part about Zoom, by the way, <laughs> um, is that you're constantly stepping on people. But um, I had a similar situation for a good part of the beginning of my career. I worked for Mark Pedowitz, and he was unbelievable as a boss and a leader. I mean, he would walk the halls and talk to everyone every single day. He put it in his calendar. And he too was one of those people who left at a reasonable hour. And when I worked for him, I had tiny kids or I had babies. And if he walked by my office and I was sitting there at six o'clock, he would say, what are you doing here? Go home. And I don't think a lot of people have that experience. But he was great at that. And at the same time, he was great at making sure the people that worked for him got exposure and that he taught them how to be a manager, not just how to learn their substantive job. And he, the one really like thing that I've always remembered is he would say, the, the one problem I can't fix is the one I don't know about. And so he was so good about making it clear that there was no blame. You know, it's about finding how to fix things, not trying to figure out who did something wrong. And I've always taken that with me. I have to, I'm going to give a shout out to my current boss, to to Dana, who's like, 
<laughs> like the, you know, just unbelievable lady boss um, of all time who at my advanced age of 54, I'm still learning from like, and I, you know, kind of thought, oh, I don't have anything left to learn. Oh, I have a lot to learn. Um, but I'm going to, one of the things I discovered about Dana during the pandemic is she has a superpower <laughs> that she doesn't advertise and you don't know about it until you need it, which is she will, if somebody is sick, somebody in your family, somebody that you care about, or there's a pet <laughs> in distress, hmm. she has a network that is unbelievable of people that she can get on speed dial that will help. And over the course of this pandemic, I have a daughter who's immune compromised and we had a lot of scares with her health. Uh, and, and, I, and it's a strange thing to think, I'm gonna call my boss because I know she's gonna help me find a doctor. She's gonna have an answer. And yet Jana was the first person I would call to say, I, you know, she's spiking a fever, what do I do? And she'd be like, boop, 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 let me get this doctor on the phone and they'll see you at UCLA emergency room right away. It opened up a, a side of her that I actually didn't know about because she's so professional, so buttoned up, um, so masterful at, at being a chairwoman. And here's this human being that was just calling to follow up with everybody who had any kind of medical need, calling to follow up if anybody whose pet had gone into distress during this. And I thought, I'm so... I, I'm just so impressed with her. I have to advertise it because it's 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 not simple. It's a lot of work to do it, and she does it effortlessly. And it's it's like the the humanity um, that she has that a lot of people don't know about that came out during this time. She helped a lot of people get care, and it was really lovely to see. So, so great, and I don't want to ever hear that 54 is advanced age. That is, <laughs> oh, is it very very <laughs> young. I mean, we have a president that's 78 people. So, you know. True, true. Very I'll, young. I'll do a quick shout out to Nina Tassler, who, who everybody knows has been my mentor for two decades. Um, and I think simply humility and generosity and um, was never obsessed with taking credit, which I just, I always admired. It was, there was a lot of people above her that took credit for everything and took credit that she deserved and she didn't care. And instead she became obsessed with creating an environment for people to be their best creative self and to get the best product and the best content. And I, I just will always appreciate that. And I hope I take that with me. I'll jump in and it's probably no surprise to you all. I would say Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> She's like one of the greatest leaders. She, you know, she leads with hope, optimism and vision, uh, just such integrity and really does put people first and thinks about people first. Um, so for me, just every day kind of watching her, there's so many traits I try to like absorb myself, um, incredible problem solver. And no matter how bad the news or how bad a situation um, or what doesn't work out, just that we'll figure it out. You know, something else will come. That meant it wasn't meant to happen. And that's just so wonderful to work for someone who looks at it that way, but yet is still fiercely competitive, has high standards, wants a great quality of work, but understands that, you know, um, some things work out, some things don't. But yeah, for me, it's been Oprah. I'm so glad you brought that up, Tina, especially I was just watching her Apple Plus TV series uh, on mental health, which was just so incredibly moving. And, and that kind of perfectly leads me into the next question, which is what show on your current network, streamer, studio, are you most proud of right now? And what show have you been watching on another network or streamer that you think, gosh, I'm, I'm so impressed with what they're doing over there as well? Who would like to start? Well, I would start by saying this is a very impossible question. <laughs> gets, and answering it only gets you in trouble. So I will type under my desk my secret answer, <laughs> but I will tell you that, um, you know, over the past, it, 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 what really I've been so proud of and thrilled by are all these shows that have gotten back into production and are delivering now. So everything from 
the flight attendant, which was our first show to go back into production in New York in August. And it was real one foot, you know, on the, 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 you know, kind of balance beam as we're just taking the baby steps back out into production. And they did an incredible job, um, you know, finishing that and, and almost like, you know, the, the kind of prototype then all the way up through you know, getting the Friends reunion done was a huge deal for us. Um, and then our show um, Hacks with Gene Smart right now also was a very, um, just had a lot of challenges during COVID. And, and I just, my hat's off to that entire producing team and to Gene and the rest of the cast. And I couldn't be happier, um, you know, with the results. So just again, it's very heartening and kind of beautiful to see people's absolute determination to basically make making shows and movies essential work. And that's kind of what you felt from everybody that we're going to figure out how to do this and get people back filming if it's the last thing we do. And I'm very proud as an industry of the protocols that we've developed. And I frankly think I, I sit on the board at a, at a school at the University of Texas, and they wanted to talk to me all about what we were doing for the performing arts school. So, um, you know, just really also a big shout out to everybody, especially the below the line crew, etc, um, to, to getting us all back to work so that we could actually put stuff out. I second that, Sarah. I, I was at ABC at the time for most of this last year, I suppose. And, and there was a sense of um, duty to the audience, I guess, right? That if we could do it safely, we had to do We had to try. Um, that instead of just putting up the gone fishing sign, like, we'll wait, you know, the way that our teams went, worked with the guilds and, and went about really, really thoughtfully creating safe spaces to make content again, to bring them to audiences at home and, and like to get the feedback I was involved with. Um, we did these Disney family sing-alongs when I was at ABC, which were just, you know, artists in their homes with their ring lights and their Zoom singing Disney songs. And it, it was profound how it affected people, the feedback that we got about how people just want, needed that joy, something <laughs> that united them, that felt familiar and, and joyful coming through the screen. And, and, and like you, I just so I'm so in awe of the team that put Dancing with the Stars on somehow during like, I have no idea really still how they did it you know, <laughs> during the pandemic. Um, it's incredible. And Karen, we learned from that team for our show, Legendary, because they did an incredible digital wall. And oh. you know, just the whole kind of environment around the dancers. And, and there were just great learnings from that about how to make a space that's normally filled with a spontaneous, enthusiastic audience responding to the performance feel alive. So, uh, you know, thanks for leading the way on that. Oh, well, the, it's to that team. They were they were putting it on in Germany, which was was um, went back to production before we did. So we learned from the German version and the UK version to apply it to our version. So it really there that that team was um, uh, just in, incredible. The magic what they pulled off. Um, and I, my answer was going to be the show that I, I was watching on another network was the flight attendant. Oh. <laughs> I loved it so much. I loved it too. So yeah. Good. Thank you guys. It's fun to watch. I second it. It was brilliant. Kaylee is amazing. Yeah. One of the things that I watched that I just was blown away by that I had never seen was the night of. Um, it, it, it was so good. Good. And it just so happened that it was um, Peter Moffat, who did Your Honor for us, created the original. And Your Honor was the one that I would say I'm the most proud of. It was our most streamed show ever. But more importantly, it was so compelling. You know, it was just I felt like exactly what the audience needed at this time, which is something that wasn't too hard to watch, mm -hmm. but was just draw you in and you couldn't get enough of it. Um, so that's my answer. I think I gravitated towards things that were lighter just by, I think, everything going on and watching the news and all of the things happening. And so I think 
um, a lot of people probably say this, but I loved Ted Lasso. Like to me, that was just so delightful and enjoyable and something my husband and I watched together and, and just couldn't wait for the next one. And then in terms of our stuff, I was lucky enough in transitioning to include Peacock. We had heard a pitch when I was at NBC from Meredith Scardino and Tina Fey for Girls 5 Eva. And I wanted to do it so badly, but we had just ordered Mr. Mayor and we didn't have room to order another series. And so when we got over and I got to work on it was so exciting. But I think just having a show that is funny and has the, I love any show with music, but also is about female friendship and about what it's like to be a woman of a certain age and feeling like you're not relevant. And what have you done? It just, it, it actually is very substantive without being heavy. It's, it's just fun. So I was so excited to get to come work on that. Absolutely. And also, you know, one thing we talk about at Glamour a lot is celebrating black joy after this last year. And, and Christina, Tina, you both, um, I'm sure can speak to this. You know, you had, uh, for instance, Christina with Run the World. I mean, what a great show. We just had Lee write an essay for us about why she wanted to create this program. Because when she was growing up, a lot of people could only relate to the Cosby show. And she said, no, I wanted to show that there's other families, that there, there's other women, there's these friendships. It is so important to see the joyfulness yeah. um, within that. So I would love for, for you and Tina to talk about the programming on stars and, and own as well and what you guys are doing. Yeah, I mean, you know, Run the World predates me in terms of its sale and creation, but I've jumped, you know, into the deep end with them. And Lee and Yvette Lee Bowser, they are both, you know, force of nature. And I call this show like the great elixir. It's exactly kind of what people need right now. It's a half hour sort of romp. It's It's got sex. It's got humor. It's got you know, sisterhood, it's, it's fun, it's poignant, it's, you know, they, they are, they're true sisters. And, and I felt like that's just kind of what, what people need to see right now. Um, and, you know, fingers crossed for that show. I'll, I'll just say another show that I'm very proud of, because it was really my, my first big sale and they shot it through COVID um, and we're done shooting, but it'll, it'll air at, at sometime at the end of the year is called Blind Spotting. And uh, it's based on the movie by David Diggs and Raphael Casal. And so we, you know, I saw this movie years ago. It's a Lionsgate movie. And so, so when we started talking about it, it was like, well, of course, let's extend that and, and sort of cut a year later um, and it's Jasmine Cephas Jones, who was married to Raphael Casal's character. And they, you know, come, you, you sort of meet them and they are midstream in, in Oakland and they're lower class, just, they're just getting to middle class. You know, they're just, they bought an apartment, they bought a couch. And it's like these symbolic things that like, oh my gosh, baby, we got it. Like we're, we're middle-class and like we're doing it. And then boom, he gets arrested. And so on goes this, this sort of this story about a woman and it's about, you know, tenacity and motherhood and survival. And she has to move in with his mother played by Helen Hunt. And it's, it's all about race relations in, in Oakland. It's all about, um, class and race and religion and, and, but it, and it digs deep and it's, it's really beautifully done. It's artistic, but it's funny. It's really, really funny. And that's where I like, I'm so proud and it's got music and rap and it breaks the fourth wall. And it's like, it's all these things that like you could never imagine in one show and they did it. And, and I'm so proud of it. And I can't wait for sort of the world to see it because, and again, they did this under COVID, which was just incredible and, um, and, and really pulled off, some, like, I think a piece of art uh, and really excited to share that with the world soon. Tina, tell us what you're excited about over at OWN. Yeah, well, I mean, I have to echo what Sarah and uh, Carrie said about just being so proud about the productions getting back you know, out there happening successfully, safely, and shows being delivered and getting on the air. I just, I know what all of our teams have been through and, and it's just that I was in awe of looking back on this last year. Um, I'm particularly proud of our Queen Sugar season that just finished, um, season five. You know, Ava had the whole season written with her team and then the world changed last year and she rewrote the whole season and 
it had both Black Lives Matter and COVID uh, storylines in it. And what was pretty amazing about it was it not only tackled those issues, which we all know too well, but also did, uh, you know, kind of in, in, inject Black joy. There was a lot of celebration and beauty in those episodes about, despite the struggle and challenges the characters were going through, there was so much beauty and love um, that was uh, demonstrated in those episodes. So really, that is probably something that comes to mind. Also, we had launched a, uh, a banner a couple of years ago called Own Spotlight, it was a way for us to do non-scripted programming um, that was more thoughtful and meaningful. Uh, Oprah's Town Hall and Where We Go From Here about race relations in America was under the banner. We have also uh, premiered some documentaries. We have a big uh, fatherhood special coming up in June. And uh, really proud of how we've grown that banner because we've been able to talk about a lot of social and racial injustice, and economic injustice. and it's just really um, blossomed for us into an important uh, destination for our viewers and given us another outlet to talk about uh, issues that really matter to our audience. Um, See Yourself is our, is our brand promise to our viewer, and this just provided a new vehicle and opportunity to talk about those issues that really matter to her, to them. Thousand percent. You bring up something also um, I love, great transition, by the way, which was who did you see yourself uh, on television, when you were when you were young and growing up, who did you watch on television and thought, I really see myself in that person? Or maybe you didn't see yourself and you thought, if I'm lucky enough to be in this industry one day, I want to create television that shows somebody like this or somebody in this situation. Um, yeah. Tina, yeah. I don't want to put you back on the spot. No, was, was there that you yeah. looked up to? I'll go on this one. You know, I have, I thought about this for a long time because I consumed so much TV as a kid and who kept coming back to my mind was uh, Velma on Good Times. Like she was just so beautiful and she always dressed so great. And she was like, I just have these impressions of her. You know, she married Keith and I'll say she left a big impression on me, um, you know, about who I wanted to be when I grew up, when I became a young lady or a woman one day. But she was who jumped to mind first. There were a lot of people. I had to debate this with my husband, I have to tell you, because it was, it was hard. But uh, she came, she, she went out. I love that. Oh, that's so good. How about you, Lisa? I, it's, I was a Brady Bunch kid. I had a single mom. And I really, I, all I wanted was, I'm like, I want her to get married and I want to get an Insta family and I want to, and she did and I did. And I now have uh, two stepsisters for over 30 years. So it actually came true, but I always just hoped like one day she's like, she'll find her fella and we'll be, you know, like one big happy family. But um, it was sort of a aspirational in terms of, of wanting a bigger family and, and siblings. Hmm. Gary. Uh well, I have to, this is, this is weird. I have two, if I'm being really honest, one, one is who I saw myself as, and one was who I wanted to be. I I'm, the, honestly, the character I identified the most with was Velma in Scooby-Doo. <laughs> like I was a super nerd. I wore glasses. I had crossed eyes, but I, the only thing I had going for me was I was smart. <laughs> and I was never like the pretty girl in any story, but like I was smart and I could like work my way out of a situation by being smart. So I identified with Thelma. Um, but I wanted to be Mary Tyler Moore. You know, I wanted to be a working lady in the city <laughs> on my own, independent. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and making it happen for myself. And so that's who I aspired to be, but <laughs> Velma's really uh, who I am. I love it. Velma and, <laughs> and Mary Tyler Moore. That's awesome. awesome. Oh <laughs> man. Sarah, do you want to tell us, is there anyone that you, uh, saw yourself in growing up watching yeah, TV? I mean, I think like Carrie, I kind of have two people. One is akin to Mary Tyler Moore and it's two people, but I was obsessed with Laverne and Shirley and I'm like, they're just living in an apartment by themselves and they're working <laughs> and they're like those guys that come over and Carmine. And I just thought that looked so fun. And my father hated that show and thought it was so inappropriate. So the fact I was like, what are they doing? That's so bad. They're so independent. <laughs> um, and then the other person I would say 
is Susan Day's character on LA Law. And I was, I eventually did go to law school, but also I just thought she was just kind of an iconic, badass lawyer. And also she got to kiss Jimmy Smith. So I was just, <laughs> I'm not that sophisticated in my case. It's just pretty basic. I'm like, okay. And also he'd be my boyfriend. So that's what I thought. <laughs> That is amazing. Oh my God. I'm glad you brought up law school. I want to ask you about that in a second, but Christina, I'm so curious to hear um, who you watched growing up. I think mine, mine twofold, just because I wanted to be like them. I, I feel like maybe I saw something in me that was like them. Um, I, I go back to Brady Bunch too, Lisa. So we are sisters in, in arms there. Um, I think Marsha was just like my, my hero because she was so bossy and she was so in control. <laughs> she, was like, she told it like it was, and it was just like that. Yep. You go girl. You, know? <laughs> she was just, you go. Um, and then I just think like, I love Lucy. I love Lucille Ball was just like, I just loved watching her and I felt she was so goofy and so silly. And so, and he just, you know, Ricky would just like, you know, look at her and she would just keep going and going. And I, I love the spirit that she had, that it was like, she never, she never transformed herself for, for, for him. You know, it was just like that for me was just like a, a, a spirit that never gave up, gave up. And th those were the two for me that. <laughs> I'm right there with the Brady Bunch crew in terms of, and it wasn't so much that I saw myself in it, but I was a huge Brady Bunch and Partridge family Mm -hmm. uh, girl to this day my sister and I will play the game where you have one scene the first scene from the Brady Bunch and we can tell you what episode it is um, <laughs> and it's not that I saw myself in it it's that everybody any girl of a certain age wanted to be Marsha you mm. know um, but for me it was more as I got older because I, I wasn't as invested in TV I was so into music as a kid um, it was more as I got older and shows like 30 something and dynasty and that I really got invested in shows as part of my social experience because you'd sit with your friends and you'd make a drinking game out of it. Or, I mean, it was such a part of my life, those two shows that when I, when I, it's not even about the character, it's about the integration of television into your life. And seeing that it can really connect people. Um, and that was, those two shows for me were the ones that did that. Um, Sarah, I'm so glad you brought up law school because when this started a year ago when we were going to do this panel and, and then we didn't get a chance to do it. And I was reading uh, everybody's bios. And I, again, going into this panel, I was reading everybody's bios because I love to see your journey to this position. And I think half of you, at least on this, on this zoom, uh, went to law school. And I think to myself, okay, well then that I'm, I'm out, forget, forget that. Like, wow. Um, so I'm so curious Did going to law school, um, how has it helped you now? And whether you did or you didn't, is there a major or a course that you wish you could go back to school and learn about now? Because so much. I mean, even for me, I remember my first assignment in a journalism class was email the professor. So the professor knows, you know, how to use email. I mean, everything I learned in college, I feel like is forget it. It's out the window <laughs> because I've, it's just life experience and, and doing the job. So um, talk to me about how law school helped you and what do you wish you could go back and learn based on where television and streaming and everything is now? Well, I mean, law school helped me in a lot of ways. I think in just a very superficial way, when I was a young woman starting in the business as a producer, it just gave me a degree of kind of credibility that I don't think without that degree I would have had. But I think for me, because I'm from Texas, I'm from, you know, the Southwest, South-ish, but, you know, I grew up with manners being a big part of my upbringing and um, also making sure that everyone feels comfortable and everybody's happy, more or less. I mean, you know, it was just kind of hardwired in me. 
And when I started in law school, I was very uncomfortable when people would argue around me. Like I, I was always very articulate, so I wasn't shy about expressing my own opinion. But as, as people, you know, and sometimes in a heated fashion would have differing opinions, you know, my temperature would rise like, no, 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 settle it down, calm it down, do, 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 we're all happy. And I went to law school and I realized it's like, you know, there are a lot of different ways to argue. There are a lot of different kind of techniques to use and not to be intimidated when people have a disagreement about something. And um, especially in the beginning of my career, when I was oftentimes one, the only woman or one of very few women. And there I felt like was a lot of kind of more so, frankly, than there is today. It's not that people don't get in arguments, but I just felt like it was a more kind of contentious environment with more bad behavior, frankly. And like, you'd kind of have to sit there and, you know, I've been in arguments where people are fighting on private planes and I've been in arguments where people are about to unplug a $150 million movie. And I've been in arguments where an actor is going to walk off a set and, you know, all of that stuff. I'm just kind of like, hmm, I see what you're doing. That's <laughs> tactic. I'm going to, you know, kind of ride this out for a second and see where it goes. And, you know, even today I was like, you know, this is a bully move. It's like, they're trying to go over the top and just stop me from saying anything. So I'm going to take a breath and analyze. So it just really helps me watch kind of the techniques that people come at with things and not be as anxious when people are disagreeing with each other and try and fix that. I'm kind of like, oh, okay. I'm going to law school now. <laughs> that just crazy. for me. I think I'm the only one, maybe on the Zoom, whose career started as a result of going to law school, because I went into ABC. I worked at a law firm, but then I went into ABC into the legal department, and so for me, it was my entree into the current job that I have now in a very indirect way. Um, but to me, the most important part about law school was that it taught you to think in a very methodical and analytical way. And that has been so helpful because no matter how big the issue or how big the problem, you can figure it out if you can just parse it out into its you know, bite-sized pieces. And law school is really, really good for that. Um, I also think it taught... I, I could always write. That was always the skill set I had, but it really taught me to write. And that has come in handy. There were times when I was at ABC when somebody would have to write a letter, you know, to the Academy and they'd say, oh, Jana can write it. And so I ended up doing the most random things when I was at ABC just because I could, I could write, but it was helpful. You know, it was really, really helpful. Um, in the one thing about it, though, for me, which I don't think anybody else on this call has, is it can be really hard to lose. There, uh, no matter what I do, there are still people who are like, oh, yeah, she's the lawyer. Um, it was really hard for me to lose. I'll say that I um, was thought a lot about going to law school and business school. Um, I knew I wanted to be in the entertainment business. I wanted to be on the business side, but work with creative people. And I got a great piece of advice from someone who told me, you know, if you're trying to decide between the two, go to law school because the all show business is a, is a big negotiation. doesn't matter if you're a, a screenwriter negotiating language in your screenplay, whether you're an agent selling a show, whether you are in the marketing department negotiating how you want to do a trade, like that's what it all is. And that's kind of what tipped the scale for me. I'm glad I did go because I think I did, my writing skills got honed your debate skills, analytic skills, everything everyone's mentioned. Um, and it was how I ended up getting in the industry. I knew I always wanted to be a business person, work with creative people, help bring stories to the screen, but it was for me the transitional way also. And, and what I tell people you know, who are in school about whether you should go to law school or get this degree or that degree, I think you should, um, if you're fortunate enough to go to a school that has an entertainment program, sure, take some courses. I didn't go to one that did. Uh, I think also if you don't, it's okay. You know, take something that you can enjoy and immerse yourself in and, you know, experience college and school. And if you choose to go to graduate school, you know, do the same. Um, because before you know it, you'll be out of school and you'll be in the work world and it's going to go by really fast. <laughs> so I just encourage people to try to immerse yourself in something that you really love and enjoy 
uh, you know, on the journey. That is fantastic advice, really is. Um, before we have to wrap up, um, I would love for each of you to tell me really quick, what are you most excited about in the industry moving forward, especially after this tough year as we, as we kind of come out of so much heaviness, taking everything that we have learned and I think being in a much better place with the kinds of stories we're seeing on television, the people we're seeing on television, what excites you as we move the needle forward um, and continue just the great programming that's happening now. I'll go. I think for me personally, I lived in broadcast for so long and in my new position, I now get a play in cable and streaming, which I, for the longest time was like, let me in, let me in. And I love broadcast, but I, I like the opportunity to be able to develop the best content and then find the right home for it. And sometimes if it wasn't meant to be on broadcast, you'd have to bid it farewell. So personally, I'm very excited about that. And then just also continue. I mean, I think somebody said it earlier, how privileged we are to get to work with people of this caliber and to get to support people and their visions and tell stories. And so just to be able to do that, I don't think that's anything new, but it's just my favorite part of the job. So I'm excited to keep doing that. I have to echo that. It does feel, um, as someone who's been doing this a long time, like, and started exclusively in broadcast for so long, like, it's just a much more open system. It's still, it's still hard to get your script read if you're, you know, not connected to somebody or grew up in a small town. But I do feel like there's a consciousness in our industry now about um, inclusion and different lenses and the importance and the power of that. And there's the platforms to support that. So the funnel has gotten so much wider that the kinds of stories that are getting told are so much more varied. Just listening to Christina talking about David's show, I can't wait to see that. And, and in such a closed system where so many of us started, those kinds of shows didn't break through and those kinds of stories didn't get told. So I'm thrilled to see it continue to explode and evolve this, and, and to work with this many lady bosses. <laughs> I have to say, I echo that. I mean, this is so <laughs> exciting to be on a panel like this. It really is. Um, for me, I think it's watching media converge in so many different ways. It used to be that it was music and it was theatricals and it was television. And now it feels like you can do almost anything in any medium and, and get an audience by just putting it out there in the most compelling way and in the way the audience wants to see it. There's so many ways to get immersed in a story now and, and they're all converging and that's exciting. Sarah, how about you? What excites you heading into this next uh, year? Well, I think that for me, um, and this is, if I can, just a selfish thing, but I'm excited because I'm always, you know, looking for how are ways that I can grow myself. And, and so that's like, what's something that I haven't done before? And I'm very excited, even though I don't oversee this area of the company, I work very closely with all the international offices in, inside the company, and we're doing a big international rollout of Max, and they're just talented people all over the world that I haven't gotten to work with yet. And I also think that's another part of all of our equity and inclusion work that we're doing is, you know, just kind of, again, opening, as Carrie said, the aperture of stories that are considered universal stories that everyone should be watching. So I think there's a lot of exciting programming and really smart creators um, on the horizon. Yeah, well, I'll continue, you know, obviously, like uh, Lisa and Carrie had worked at a broadcast for a very long time. And uh, the complexion of that, that, that particular network um, being very monochromatic. <laughs> I got, I got to step into a network like stars and again, predates me, but they were already producing content like Hightown and P Valley and run the world. 
Um, but very soon after I arrived, um, we launched an initiative called uh, Hashtag Take the Lead. And it's this pure commitment, um, again, continuing the commitment of inclusion and diversity. And the whole, the whole tagline is it's by, about, and for women and underrepresented audience. Like, that's it. Like, that's what we do. And I, I just, you know, when they told me that was the job and that was the mandate and that was the target, I was like, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. It's so the antithesis of sort of what I did for so long. Um, I joke that Nina and I were able to slip a couple putts past the goalie, you know, and there was like a couple shows like The Good Wife or Supergirl, or there's a couple in there. But um, this is a pure and utter commitment to women and to underrepresented audiences. And it's all about in front of the screen, behind the screen, above the line, below the line. Like it's just... Female showrunners, I think 75% of our female executives are women and 50% of uh, our executives are women of color. I mean, it's just, it's, it's absolutely incredible. And it's, it's like, you know, it's, it, it doesn't feel like it's a trend. It feels like something that started and is just, you know, again, continuing. And I'm so glad to hear everybody talk today about like that, or even just, you know, Tina, your initiative about see me, you know, like that's the, these are the kinds of things that I think will speak to the talent in the community and say, come like, tell us your stories and tell us your P Valley, you know, about that strip club in Mississippi, you know, it's like that, that story deserves to be told. I love that. I really have adored speaking with all of you. I'm so inspired by you. I could go on and on about each one of your shows shows and what you're bringing to your different networks and streamers and studios, because it's, it's really an exciting, it's always been to me an exciting time to work and watch television, but especially now I can't wait to see all the amazing work that, um, that you've been doing and will continue to do. So thank you. Next year, we will try to do this over barbecue in Austin. Um, but I do love seeing all of your dining rooms, bedrooms, workout studios, whatever they are. Um, so thank you all again, Sarah, Christina, Lisa, Jana, Tina, and Carrie, and everybody at the ATX Festival. And I hope you all have a good night. Thanks, Jessica. Thanks. Thanks. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to ATX TV's original series, The TV Campfire. To watch these panels and more, please visit youtube.com backslash ATX TV. For details on the festival, go to atxfestival.com. And information on our membership program can be found at atxfestival.com backslash membership. Follow us at ATX Festival on all social media. As always, please rate and review. We appreciate each and every one of you for listening and a simple click or brief comment can help us grow and have other TV lovers like yourselves find us. Feels like enough information, right? Yep. Till next time, keep watching TV.